Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I am Nikki Cross and today I'm talking about your inner critic. Now, I know I have done episodes that I've talked all about the inner critic because I've done so many episodes on self-doubt. I've done so many episodes on self-sabotage and really at the heart of all of those things is this voice that we tend to call our inner critic. But today I want to do an episode solely about that, only about your inner critic and give you a few of the tools that I share with my own clients on how to deal with the inner critic. And let's start there. This is not an episode on how to get rid of that voice. I don't think that you can. And I think that it's a wasted energy, a wasted endeavor, a wasted energy to try to get rid of it. And that's not the goal here. The goal isn't to get rid of your inner critic. The goal is to stop it from holding you back as much as it currently is. So if that sounds like something that you want, this is the episode for you. So let's start. I've got a few notes written down here and I'm going to get straight into it. First things first, what is the inner critic? I the, the majority of people that I work with, when we start talking about those voices of doubt that overwhelm them, that overcome them, when they're doing something that is really important to them, I think that the first thing that I notice on this side of the um, relationship, the professional relationship, is that they think that it's them. And I think that's a really important place to start in this episode is they think that that voice, they think that that inner critic is actually them. And that's where we start because they are hearing that as their own voice. They are hearing that as their own thoughts that belong to them. And so the first job is always separating the two out. So let's, I know we're only under two minutes in this episode and I am getting straight to it. So if you're one of those people who listen to these episodes with pen and paper, then now is the time to grab one. Um, And that's my first piece of advice for you here is when you are thinking about doing any work on developing a relationship with your inner critic, which I'm going to talk about in this episode today, I first of all want you to recognize that it's not necessarily you with your thoughts. It might sound like you, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I want you to know that you have got the opportunity when this voice is coming up or these voices are coming up and telling you, no, you can't. And actually no one cares what you've got to say. And that's not relevant or that's not interesting or whatever yours says to you. Again, we'll get to that in a minute. I want you to recognize that you have the opportunity in those moments to slow down and notice. Now, this is a little bit like if you've ever heard people say the be the observer of your own thoughts. It's a little bit like that. What I'm asking you to do here is instead of just think them and picture it as yourself thinking those thoughts, what I instead want you to do is observe yourself thinking those thoughts. Observe those thoughts being spoken or heard or seen. Because we all have a different way that we internalize our own thoughts. So for some people, they will be able to hear it. For other people, they'll be able to see the visual words. But regardless of how that works for you, and have a think about that, regardless of how that works for you, I want you to create some distance between the thoughts. Now, I will say this. All of my clients who work with me on a, in, a, in any one-to-one capacity, so whether that's in a one-to-one basis, whether that's voice note access, whatever that is, that's what those voice notes are for. The voice note access is there so that when they're going through this moment of, oh my God, I'm having all of these thoughts and they're about to overwhelm me or they have overwhelmed me, 
what that voice note access does, even if I don't pick their voice note up until hours and hours later, is it, it creates a distance between me, the thinker of my thoughts, and my thoughts. It, it helps the person to see that actually these are thoughts that are being thought. <laughs> these are voices that I'm hearing, but it's not necessarily me. It's not necessarily me. And what I notice over the journey that when my clients and I work together is they start off by owning that. They start off by owning that this voice is me and I am thinking these thoughts. And what they'll notice about their own messages. So if you're a client of mine now, notice this about your messages is over time, you will start saying things like the voices are saying this, the voices are telling me that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, listening to myself say this out loud and we're talking about hearing voices, which I totally appreciate at first glance, that might seem a bit mad, but it's not. It's really, it's a really, it's a really effective tool to be able to create a distance between the thoughts you are thinking and yourself. So that's the first thing that I've got for you is notice. And I'm going to give you a few tips on how to notice what in terms of your inner critic, what they might sound like and how they might be. So a few things that I notice about my client's inner critics and my own inner critic when that roars loudly, because it still does, and we're all doing the inner work and we'll all probably continue to do the inner work. The first thing is the inner critic voice sounds so definite. It sounds so sure. It sounds unarguable with, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute because I recommend that you don't argue with your inner critic. Um, but I just want to point out that this voice is going to seem so sure and so definite and so trustworthy, you know, so confident in its conviction. This voice is probably going to speak to you in all or nothing terms, in very binary terms. There's not much nuance with the voice of self-doubt or the voice of your inner critic. There's not much nuance there. There's not much um, complexity or gray area there. It's either this or it's that. It's right or it's wrong. It's black or it's white. It's zero or it's one. And that's a way that I get to notice this with my own clients is it, there's no like um, compromising ground. It's all very much all or nothing. Another thing that you'll notice about your inner critic voice is it's it's a fixed mindset. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever read the book by Carol Dweck, which is called Growth, Growth Mindset, I think. I'm going to be really honest. It's the most boring book that I've ever read in my whole life. <laughs> but the fundamental basics, the fundamental message of this book is the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And I think that it's worth delving into. A growth mindset will say, well, I'm just learning how to do this. Sorry about the banging. A growth mindset will say, well, I'm just learning how to do this. And a fixed mindset will say, I don't know how to do this. A growth mindset will say, yeah, I'm, I'm getting better at this, but I'm just not there yet. A fixed mindset will say, I'm here now and I'm never going to be good at this. It's never going to happen for me. So your inner critic will take on aspects of those traits, the fixed mindset traits. And it's doing this for a reason. And I'm trying not to get ahead of myself in this episode, but it's doing these things for a reason. It's being very sure. It's being very definite, very binary, very fixed. And it uses different methods. Now I've done an episode on this. I have done an episode where I talk about the front line and the second line of defense. If you know what episode that is, would you message me? Basically what I mean by this point is your inner critic will try different methods. 
if you know what I'm talking about, can you message me what episode this is? It's the one where I say, okay, well, the first line of defense might be really aggressive and they might sound like, no, you dickhead, you can't do this and you can't do that. And who the hell do you even think you are? And how do you even think that's going to work? Get back, in, get back in your box, sit down, shut up and actually be a bit smaller and quieter, please, so that no one notices you. The first line of defense normally is like the ones that are the most aggressive. Now, if that doesn't work, the inner critic will take on almost like a different approach. So that approach might be, oh, well, come on, let's just, let me just logic this with you. And it'll try and win you over with logic. And that'll be the second line of defense. You know, if the first line of defense didn't quite do its job, the second line of defense will step in and be like, let me logic this. Let me make it make sense so that you'll listen to me and back off. Um, And I, I suppose I just want to make a point on that just right there before I move on any further is notice when, for those of you who joined my workshop the other week, get out of your own way. I'll leave the link in the show notes because you can actually buy this as a replay. But one of the things that we did in that workshop was actually notice when you get in your own way. And it's sort of the same with the inner critic and self-doubt. When you'll get in your own way will be when fill in the blank, will be when you're promoting your services, will be when you're about to record a podcast and um, share what's on your heart will be when you need to speak up in the meeting and say something that's a little bit against the grain, but you know it's your truth. When will your inner critic or self-doubt roar very loudly? Notice that about yourself. And it's not to change it. I want to be really clear about this. Noticing it isn't the same as I'm going to notice it and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to notice it and I'm going to pour all of my energy and effort and attention into fixing that part of me. I'm not endorsing that at all, to be honest. I, I don't see the point. I think that you, you're you better off noticing it and letting it be whilst you continue to take action. And taking action doesn't look like, just look like the outward stuff. It also looks like the inner stuff of, you know, comforting yourself and settling yourself and reminding your nervous system that you are actually safe so that you can take the outward action. But a couple more things before we carry on. Your inner critic, if you want to identify it, might have a certain tone. I often ask my clients the question when they're explaining some of the self-doubt thoughts and the inner critic thoughts that they are having, I'll often say to them, what does that inner critic voice sound like? Share that with me, share what it's saying, share what it sounds like and share what tone it's taking with you right now. Now I'm explaining all of this on this podcast episode so that you can do that too. You, these are tools that you, I can equip you with just in this free episode where you can actually take these and start applying them in your own life. So I'm just going to re-go over that bit again so that you can write it down if you want to. Notice, number one, what is it saying? So going right the way back to the beginning of this episode, what is your inner critic presenting to you as thoughts? Thoughts that you don't have to automatically accept. What is it giving to you? And it may well be that you've been presented with these thoughts so many times, so repeatedly, so, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It doesn't matter. So many times, so relentlessly, that's the word, thank you. So relentlessly that actually they, they feel like the norm but I want you to know that if you create distance, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, if you create distance between you and the thoughts, you're able to see that actually these aren't necessarily thoughts that you have to take by the hand and believe to be your truth. 
The second thing there is notice the tone. So when I'm doing this work with my own clients, I we get the opportunity where I'm able to say to them, what tone is that voice? And they'll be able to tell me, oh, it's stern. Oh, it's judgmental. If it was a character, it would have its arms crossed and it'd be looking down its nose at me. And we can take that further. We can characterize it. And I, I often find that really, really helpful for my clients to give it a character. Now, uh, and and sorry, before I carry on any further, and they'll often say to me, the tone is very critical. It's very judgmental. And it feels like it's trying to um, drive fear within me. And it's not necessarily from a malicious place, but it, that's what it feels like. That's the inner experience that I am having of my own inner critic voice. And so where I'll take my clients to next is what do you think its motives are? What do you think its motives are? Now, this is the work that takes a little bit longer to get your head around. So just to be clear, just to summarize, we're starting to notice, we're starting to create a different distance between you and you and the thoughts. We're starting to notice the tone of it and how it sounds and if it was a character, how it would look. The next part is the part that I find my own clients take a little bit longer to get. And so I'm flagging that to you in this episode because it might take you to stick with this practice and to recognize that it's gonna come. I promise you it's gonna come, but it just takes a little bit longer. And actually these practices aren't ever any that you just get. And it's not like riding a bike. It's not, you have to continually practice this stuff in order to um, receive the benefits of it. So this next part is what are its motives? If we can, if we can uh, assume that your inner critic voice has good intentions, good in inverted commas intentions, that it's trying to keep you safe or protect you from something. I almost want you in your mind's eye to imagine like a overbearing mum or an overbearing dad or an overbearing sibling, elder sibling. In fact, I'll share a quick story with you. The other weekend, we all got a takeaway. And um, so me, my husband and my 15 year old son, who's bigger than me. And he, the container that the meal came in was really hot and I could see that he was struggling to figure out how to get the contents of the container out onto his plate and um, without burning himself or spilling it everywhere and I just automatically jumped up and went to do it for him and I could feel Jimmy my husband like staring at the back of my head and he said to me later on he didn't say anything at the time but he said to me later on you know what Nick like he's 15 you don't need to jump up and do those things for him now and in that moment I realized that I was being that overbearing parent and it is with good intention you know I didn't want him to many things I didn't want him to spill it <laughs> for a start but that wouldn't have been the end of the world. I didn't want him to spill it because I didn't want it to go to waste. But I also didn't want him to spill it because I didn't want him to hurt himself. And I didn't want him to spill it because I didn't want him to experience spilling something, you know, the minor failures that we we have to go through in life. And my husband's right. He could handle it. If he spilt it, he'd handle it. You know, we're talking about a kid who 
leaves food at the sides of his bed for weeks on end. No, I'm only joking. For days he would. So he's probably going to spill something on the table and eat it off the table, knowing my 15-year-old son, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. And yet there I was jumping in to rescue the situation. And that's a little bit like what your inner critic is doing. It's noticing, oh, hang on a minute. She's outside of her comfort zone. What's she doing? Oh, she's backing herself a little bit too much. Oh, she's a bit confident over there. Right, we need to jump in and save the day before this goes wrong. And that's my third question always to my clients is, what is it that your inner critic, your self-doubt voice, what is its intention? If we assumed that it had good intentions and that it was sort of swooping in to try and save the day, what do you think its intentions might be? And the answer to that question, what you'll often uncover is the thing that you're actually really afraid of. Oh, well, my inner critic is jumping in to try and save me from experiencing the discomfort of failure. My inner critic is swooping in to try and, um, you know, save me from experiencing those people gossiping about me so that I don't put my idea out there and can't get laughter. And you can hear a trend. It's what I always talk about. Fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear of being left out. Yeah. And these are the things that we'll often find when we ask that question, what's its intention? If we were to assume that your inner critic voice had a good intention, there was some real goodness behind that arsehole behavior, <laughs> what would that good intention be? And underneath where that answer comes from is normally going to show you what it is that you're really afraid of. And I think that's a really important point to latch onto. I think it's a really important point to acknowledge. Um, now. Something that often comes up and it comes up in the majority of my clients' journeys is what if what if my inner critic is motivating to me? So what some people will ask me is it's not a particularly nice experience, but I can't think of any other way to be motivated. So what they're essentially saying is, you know, if you were going on a run, it's a difference between the, having a voice in your head that is like, you can do this you can come on. I know you can. It's the difference between that and your inner critic going, well, you fucking shit anyway. So it's that. And what they're saying is, what if it motivates me? I want to read you a section of a fantastic book called Playing Big by Tara Moore, because there's an actual section in there that says, what if my inner critic motivates me? Um, so here we go. I'm just going to read it to you now. I did have it sectioned off, but my pen fell out. Here it is. Now that you have a sense of what the inner critic is, we'll turn to the tools and we'll turn to the tools and practices that you can use. But many people aren't sure that they want to silence or quieten their inner critics. After all, they ask me, isn't the inner critic part of what motivates us to do meticulous, excellent work? I first heard this question a few years ago when I taught a workshop about the inner critic in a major accounting firm. A woman in the front row raised her hand. I hear what you're saying about what, how the inner critic holds us back, but honestly, if I stopped listening to my inner critic, I would be a total slacker. My inner critic is what motivates me to work hard, perform. Can't the inner critic be a positive force? She goes on to say, by the way, if any of you have got this book, I'm, I'm on page 11. She goes on to say, as is true for so many of us, her inner critic was a kind of companion with whom she'd had a tried and true partnership. The critic hurled words of panic and disparagement as she ran on the treadmill harder, producing careful, thorough work. This cycle played out dozens of times each day, had produced some really good 
professional results. This was my response to her. And it's my response to you if you share the same question. Self-doubt can indeed motivate us to work hard and achieve, but there are some serious costs to being motivated that way. And just before I read out what they are, and I'm not going to read them like word for word, I'm just going to summarize them from the book. This is the exact same question that I will ask my own clients. I will say to them, yeah, okay, cool. So what is it protecting you from? So that inner critic might be roaring really loudly to protect you from, um, protect in inverted commas, to protect you from failure, to protect you from judgment or criticism. But actually, what I want my clients to consider is, no, hang on a minute. It might be trying to protect you from those things, but what is it costing you? What is it holding you back from? And the majority of the time, my clients will actually realize that it's trying to protect me from failure, but I'm automatically failing (laughs) by following the inner critic's guidance anyway. So in this book on page 12, Tara Moore goes on to say, the costs to your quality of life, how much joy you can joy you can experience in your work if fear and a soundtrack of harsh thoughts about yourself play in your head every day. The costs to your professional life, the inner critic can lead us to work hard but leads us to doing the wrong work. Okay, she goes on to say, there's playing bigger costs. Whatever playing big looks like for you, think about this. Can your inner critic really help you do that more boldly, more quickly, and with greater enjoyment? Can your inner critic motivate you to pursue your callings? And lastly, she says, health costs. We're motivated by fear of failure. Stress hormones flood our system. Long-term stress is correlated with a variety of health health problems. And I just want to add on a last one there, which is the cost of your self-esteem, the cost of your self-identity. If you're relying on an inner critic voice to get shit done, what will inevitably happen over time is your self-concept, how you believe, who you believe yourself to be, will be inevitably impacted. So although you might argue that your inner critic might be a motivator to you, my question is always going to be, at what cost? Is that how you want to be pursuing your career? Is that the relationship that you want to have with yourself? And does that feel like thriving to you? You know, my business is called Thrive Life and Business, because if you've seen my Venn diagram with two circles, business in one circle, life in the other circle, and where they cross over is you, you're the one experiencing life and business. And so if in all of that, you are being motivated in inverted commas by your inner critic voice, my question is always going to be to you, does that feel sustainable? Does that feel like success to you? And does that feel like you are thriving? And the majority of conversations that I have with my own clients will inevitably fall under the uh, go along the lines of, well, no, it doesn't feel like it's thriving, but I don't know another way. I can work with that. (laughs) When you say to me, no, it doesn't, but I don't know what else to do. Or no, it doesn't, but it's all that's worked for me so far. Or no, it doesn't, but I don't know how else to be. That is music to my ears because what you're essentially saying to me is not really no, but I've got nowhere else to go. I've got a willingness. I've got an openness, but I've got nowhere else to go. Good. We can work with that. We can definitely work with that. So let's start wrapping this up. I've just got a few more points to make before the end of the episode. Let's just summarize where we're at. And then I'll start wrapping up the episode. So tip number one was create a distance between you and that inner critic voice. Creating that distance could look like journaling, writing it down. Creating that distance could look like just saying it out loud on a voice note or leaving yourself a voicemail. Or if you've got someone um, in a 
trained coaching capacity to listen to you without jumping in and without um, trying to fix it. So I have actually done an episode on that if you are interested in it. It was an episode where I talked about the costs of using your friends and your family as your coach. Um, um, do you know what? I'm not going to try and figure out what episode number it was. I'm just going to put the link in the show notes. So if you've got someone to listen to you and hold space for that, that is what I would recommend you do. Create a distance between yourself and your thoughts and observe those thoughts. Notice what tone they are taking. Notice if they were a character, how would they be standing? Would they be crossing their arms? Would they be pulling your arm back? Like really allow yourself to indulge in the visualization of the experience that you're having as opposed to just be in the experience. Second to that, so when you've noticed your own thoughts, second to that is notice what is this actually protecting me from? What What is it that if I assumed my inner critic voice had positive intentions, was trying its best to look after me in a really overbearing way, what would I, what, what would I guess that it's trying to protect me from? And the majority of the time, it's going to be the discomfort of something. It's going to be the discomfort of failure, the discomfort of judgment, the discomfort of being criticized or deemed as not enough, or the discomfort of having your own insecurities actualized and validated by other people and mirrored back to you. So what I'm asking of you to do there is slow your thoughts down and notice them, be the observer as opposed to the thinker and allow yourself to develop a relationship with the inner critic voice. So what I'm saying there is don't hold its hand, accept the thoughts for what they are and let them lead you into the swamp. Instead, pull your hand away and just be like, hey, you're in the room with me. <laughs> you're you're in the room. And you know what? You're allowed to be in the room. In fact, it is Liz Gilbert. I'm looking at my bookshelf. It's Liz Gilbert in her incredible book, um, Big Magic. Big Magic, is that it? Big Magic, Liz Gilbert. I think that is the name of her book. And she talks about allow fear to be in the car. Allow it to be in the car. Allow it to sit with you, but do not allow it to take the steering wheel. Don't even allow it to control the music. And that is what I want to recommend is be the observer but don't allow it to direct you, but instead create space between you both and try and look at it with almost like loving eyes, almost look upon it if you can with a little bit of humor and be like, okay, you in a critic voice think I'm not going to be able to handle this when it goes wrong. Just like when I explained earlier in the episode, just like when I didn't allow my 15 year old son to pour the Chinese food out of the container. It's just like that. So look at your own inner critic voice, look at your own vo uh, voice of self-doubt and be, be a little bit loving towards it. Have a relationship with it whereby you can look at it with a smile and be like, what is it that you're trying to protect me from? And I appreciate that, but you're underestimating how capable I am. You've got to realize, guys, in the in the um, tips and tools that I'm giving you in this episode, what I really want you to realize is this isn't going to be a case where you listen to this episode and it just clicks. I am still doing this work. I still have to actively do this work. And if I'm not careful, if I'm not what I would say to my own clients as on or active as an active participant in my own thoughts. If I go to sleep, if I if I don't stay aware of the thoughts that I'm thinking, it's so easy to just accept them as your own thoughts and go down the garden path with them. And you might say, well, God, that sounds a little bit 
a lot of energy taken up or a lot of time of each day taken up just being with my own thoughts. Well, yeah, it is, but what's the alternative? (laughs) The alternative is that you actually are overcome by your own self-doubt, by your own inner critic. And my question to you is, choose your heart. Choose your heart. Which heart would you prefer? Would you prefer the hard where you're having to deal with the ramifications of you thinking that those thoughts are your own and actually believing them and allowing them to direct your actions out there in business? Or would you prefer the hard where you actually have to have a relationship with these thoughts and be with them? Let me have a little look at my notes and see if there's anything that I've left out. Um, No, done that, done that, done that. What if you can be alongside them? Yeah, done that as well. Just one tip that I have that I have left out that I did want to mention is something that I recommend that you don't do. (laughs) I do not recommend that you try and argue with the inner critic or the self-doubt. And the the arguing, you might think of that and be like, yeah, that that's fair. Like it's not going to work. But the arguing can be like having a logic off. Like the some what a lot of my clients do, a lot of my clients, well, all of my clients are very bright and intelligent and talented, amazing people. And because of that, the first sort of thing that they'll come up against is I can win in this fight. <laughs> I can outlogic you, self-doubt. I can outlogic you in a critic voice. And I'm like, nah, don't don't waste your energy trying to outlogic it, trying to fight with it and be the winner of the argument. Honestly, it's not worth your energy because I what I explain and I wish that you could see, in fact, for those of you on Instagram, you'll be able to see. It's a little bit like if I drew a line across your neck and you imagined from your head up, your brain and your mind will acknowledge and recognize, oh, this logic makes sense. But from the neck down, your heart, your nervous system, that is going to be the thing that is like, yeah, it makes sense, but I'm still worried. Yeah, it makes sense, but I'm still fearful of that thing. And actually the inner critic voice sounds like they're trying to protect me from the thing that I'm scared of. So I want you to see there that logicking it or arguing with it isn't necessarily the right... uh, the most effective thing to do either. So that was the last point that I wanted to make. There are a few episodes that I've um, I've linked in this one today. I've got one of them. I found the other one. So I'm going to link them all in the show notes. And I'm also going to link the Get Out of Your Own Way workshop if you want to go and head across that too. But if you don't, I really want to recommend that you do this work. Maybe you listen back to this episode again, make your own notes and really try this on as a practice. So what I mean by that is don't just listen. This isn't one of those episodes like last week's where it was just me rocking up in my active wear, which I'm, if you're on Instagram, (laughs) I'm I'm in my leisure wear now. Last week's episode was a really easy listen. This week's episode is going to take for you, if you want, yeah, this week's episode is going to take for you to do this work, to try it on and to practice it. And I highly recommend that you do. Having a, it sounds weird, right? Having a relationship with the voices in your head might sound, before you listen to this episode, if I started the episode off by saying, hey, I'm going to do an episode on having a relationship with the voices in your head, you might be like, okie dokie then. (laughs) But I am actually asking you to have a relationship with the voices that are in your head. 
And I'm recommending that you practice some of the tools that I've given you in this episode. Try them on. Find your own way that works for you. You know, I've given you so many tips, voice noting people, voice noting your coach, voice noting yourself, writing things down, creating that distance, recognizing the tone, maybe even recognizing, maybe it's not even your voice, maybe recognizing that it's an old teacher or a parent or an elder sibling or whatever that is for you. And then after that, allowing it to be with you instead of trying to push it out or trying to close it out the room or trying to escape from it, just allowing it to be there. Maybe picturing yourself, like if I was thinking in your linguistic programming terms, like turning the color down on it, turning the volume down on it, having a little laugh with it. I was talking to one of my one-to-one clients the other day and we were talking about that Harry Potter scene where they um, you know, there's the mirror and the scary things jump out the mirror and they have a spell that they do. Hilarious. Hilar- hmm. I can't remember the spell, but they make it funny. And it's like, allow yourself to have a little bit of fun with this. Allow yourself to have a giggle with the thoughts that are coming up for you. Allow it to be a little bit lighter. The inner work, it's serious shit. It's deep shit, but it doesn't have to be this really heavy thing you're allowed to have some fun with it. And I recommend that you do. So with all that said, I really hope that today's episode has served you and I hope it serves you again and again. Come back to it, share it with a friend, maybe discuss it with them. Talk about, you know, have a little bit of accountability with each other. Talk about what you're each going to take from it. Maybe you might be each other's accountability partners where you just decide that, do you know what? We're going to have a WhatsApp group where we just dump our inner critic shit and we have a laugh about it and we get together once every fortnight or once every month and we talk about how fucked up and crazy some of the shit that our own inner critics will come up with. You know, that's what I mean. Have a little bit of fun with it. Allow yourselves to, because when it's all said and done, and this is what I meant earlier, I don't ever really endorse no, I don't. Like, I don't endorse you overcoming this stuff because I feel like it's just a pointless exercise. I feel like instead, let's allow it to be with us. Let's allow ourselves to experience the discomfort of growth and of putting ourselves outside of our comfort zone when it's relevant and appropriate. Let's allow ourselves to experience the discomfort of those things without allowing some of the shit that comes up in our inner world to hold us back as much as it is. And all the while, as you're experiencing experiencing things in life and business. My hope is that from episodes like this and some of the things that you can read and purchase and buy and experience, that you gain tools along the way that help you to have a lighter experience with things like self-doubt, with things like your inner critic. So as I say, I hope this episode has served you. I, I assume I'm going to assume that you're going to take from it what serves you and come back to it and keep practicing some of the things that we talked about today. So with all that said, please never forget, I am always cheering you on and I really do hope that you are cheering you on too.